Okay, thank you everyone for joining me today. Uh, today we're going to be talking about how to get the best out of engineers while they work remotely. Very popular topic for the future and the past. I'm your host today. Uh, my name's Christopher Bennett. I'm the Nordics Recruitment Manager here at Evolution Nordics. And we get your projects delivered for the through the provision of tech freelancers. That's my bit of the way, and I nearly messed that up. Um, so we've got some fantastic guests here today, and we're gonna go round the table to get some introductions. So first, we're gonna go to Lienna. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Uh, my name is Lena Wiebe, and I work as an engineering manager at uh, Mentimeter. Um, very exciting product that I just joined, but I've been following it for years. So basically, we deliver a solution for making meetings more interesting. Started as a voting app, and it's blowing out of proportion. So very exciting. Um, just about me, I've been uh, doing IT for 20-something years. I started as a developer, uh, did a bunch of roles in testing, and been a manager for about four or five years and also a public speaker and workshop facilitator anything where i can stand on a stage and be in center of attention that's where you find me you're actually in the center of my screen as well so perfectly fitted <laughs> fantastic thank you for that uh katazina uh hi my name is katazina i work as engineering manager at klarna I'm originally from Poland and I moved to Sweden around six years ago. Uh, I've been in the IT sector around 10 years and working as engineering manager last four years. Uh, a little bit about me personally. Right now I'm trying to be as much as possible outside. I really like walking, hiking and enjoying the nature, uh, which is challenging some days. <laughs> in the current situation. Uh, that's why I'm also looking forward to traveling again. Fantastic, thank you for that. I think we're all looking forward to traveling again. Yeah, I can speak on behalf of everyone there. Um, okay, and the third guest, uh, Wana. Yes, hi, uh, thank you for having me here. I'm really excited to talk to all the people. Um, I'm Bhavna, and I currently work at NetEnd, which is a gaming company. I've been with the company for many, many years. I've lost the count. And I originally come from India. I moved to Stockholm in 2014. Uh, loved it. And I've been in the IT industry for more than 15 years. Had majorly the role in tech writing domain. Different industries like um, telecom and gaming majorly. And I've had many leadership roles for many years now, but that, those were mainly focused towards the tech writers or the information managers. But since the past year, this leadership role is more focused towards developers. So that's me. Um, in my free time, however, I like to listen to TED Talks and cook. I love to eat, so I have to cook. Yeah, that's all. Brilliant. So you'll be listening to more of my podcasts I like cooking too. Um, okay, and then finally, Alberto. Hi, everyone. Uh, thank you for having me here. So I'm Alberto, originally from Spain. Uh, I'm uh, the director of engineering uh, today at ACAST. I recently 
joined the company uh, like three weeks ago. I'm so excited about that. Uh, Chris, maybe we can talk about podcasting later on. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, so I've, uh, I've been in the IT industry for around 20 years as well. I started very early in the teenage playing with computers. So I hold a computer science uh, baccalaureate master degree and started but never finished PhD in robotics. And uh, yeah, uh, so what I enjoy doing in my spare time is basically be outside with my two kids. Um, it's not that I like the snow since I come from Spain. I mean, it's quite a different weather, uh, but they do. So I need to, you know, be a good father and, 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 and help them out. Also love cooking, um, uh, love food, uh, but don't have the right time for uh, making the dishes I would like to make. But uh, here and there, try to find some space for that. Fantastic. Four brilliant guests. Uh, I'm very excited for you to all speak with each other. So uh, the format is, uh, as usual on the podcast, is each guest has sent me a question or a topic that they would like to explore. I will say the question or the statement that they've given me and then ask uh, the person uh, to explain why, why they've asked it, what they're looking to get out of it, and then hopefully we'll bring in other people around this uh, table to discuss that. So the first question is from Lienna. And her question was, how do you help new engineers, especially junior ones, get up to speed and feel like they're part of a team company while being 100% remote? So, Leanna, just talk us through uh, the question, why you asked it and what you're looking to get out of it. Yeah, so when, when uh, this entire COVID situation happened, um, basically everyone in any leadership position at the company I was panicked and we were in full panic mode for two weeks and we were expecting everything to blow up. Um, we were doing crisis plans like what do we do when the school stops? What do we do when if uh, two thirds of our engineers get sick? Um, and we realized nothing changed. Uh, people delivered, people were happy none of the things we were worried about actually came through. But the one challenge that I've had is the onboarding because that has been a hassle for most, um, most of the engineers, getting to know their team while not seeing them face to face. And especially I see the, the junior ones. So that would, I would love some ideas on how to do that better. Okay, this is where I just pick on someone early on. Um, so, as I know, Katazina the best. I'm going to go with Katazina. <laughs> uh, I think this is a very, very popular problem we are now facing. And I've been also in the situation when I've been onboarding juniors while working remotely. And one thing which particularly worked for, for my team uh, was having a body. So someone really dedicated to the new person in the team where they could spend a lot of time with, where they can go with all the questions the new joiners have. Uh, because, of course, when you're working next to each other, if you don't understand something, you work with a code, you just ask the person sitting next to you, can you have a look? So we try to have the same situation while being remote. 
where you have someone who is dedicating for all the questions and this is part of their work time so it's not only if you can help me but it's it's their job to help out the, the new joiner uh, this was one thing which which I think really helps out and then to your question about how to build connection with team members I think this is very very tricky uh, and it goes a lot in helping out the new person to reach out but also build this natural relationship with the colleagues not to force too many situations uh, but I think first of all having a lot of team meetings where we did some icebreakers. We try to share a lot of information on the personal note about ourselves, uh, but also booking those one-on-ones between different team members where it's like, this is the new person. This is uh, someone who's been longer in the team where they just have the time to get to know each other, which you would do if you would sit next to each other, you would go for a coffee and you would discuss what kind of coffee do you like, or you prefer coffee or tea. Uh, which doesn't happen right now. Kazina, how are you choosing the buddy? Are you choosing them based on a similar job title? Um, are you trying to choose it with a completely different person? How does it work? Uh, so for us, it's, it's always the same job title since my team is uh, engineers or software developers. Uh, it's not really having a different job title. When I think about ma matching those two, uh, it's more about what the new joiner can work with. So when I do the onboarding, I rather plan like this will be the first task, this will be the first month, this will be the first uh, assignments they can work. And I'm trying to find a person who has the best knowledge around this topic, who can help to guide and grow and support. Uh, not if I'm a special, I'm I have my specialty around topic A, and the new joiner will work on B and I need to ask questions myself. Mm. Alberto? Yeah, I do agree. It's a complex problem uh, that we have all faced uh, even more this last year. But I think in my case, it's not experience of something that I have managed to succeed with. with. Um, it's an idea that I uh, always had, but never been able to implement. Um, so I think one of the things I've suffered lately is about the actual onboarding process. I mean, which was very poor uh, in general. I mean, whether it's remote or uh, um, in the, at the office. Um, and I and I think that's the piece of you know uh, it's it's a it's a very important piece for everyone to feel welcome. Uh, I mean, if you have to join a company and actually it feels that you have to um hunt everyone to get uh, to understand the systems the people the organization the processes and everything it's 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 a bad thing so i think in order to aid this i think the first of all is to have a very clear onboarding process right uh that works flawlessly regardless remote or not remote and then uh, when we're talking about remote um and regardless, again, about the, the, the seniority levels, I think at the end of the day, we are all people. And for me, people is first. Uh, so I, I would spend the first couple of weeks only, uh, you know, building kind of uh, uh, relationships. Um, so 
I would probably, if I know that someone is joining my team, I would probably encourage my team members to, you know, organize uh, different type of meetings like icebreaker, like uh, there are many multiple different type of games that you can uh, utilize to make to gamify the way of you know getting to know each other and such uh, I, I recently played one i remember the name but it was a card game uh where it's just about figures or landscapes or anything that you need to reflect on uh, or say something about your life that was reflected on the car so and then you were pairing and every five minutes you were rotating uh, so then you get to know people a little bit more on the personal level um, so my suggestion here would be basically try to put a little bit focus on making people feel comfortable at the beginning because it's the first time is the is you know the 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 first impression um so if if i join a, a team like that and for, from minute one i feel that welcome i feel like people is really on to me and helping me out and getting uh, they want to to know me and such I, I will kind of just sit back and relax right and then i can take the next thing uh i can go straight to you know organizational team structure technologies whatever that is uh, but i i would say it should be fine for the teams to allocate maybe the first week of a new joiner coming uh, just focused on making that person feel welcome and feel onboarded um, of course, now it's everything about camera. There is a level of, you know, uh, social connection. Uh, it's not the same as uh, physical uh, when you can meet physically, but uh, I think it helps uh, running, I don't know, icebreaker exercise through the web uh, or games through the web or uh, things like that. Just so you feel like um, you know you don't only have landed in a team but a family too, right? And so um that's that would be my suggestion I, as i said i never put it into practice uh that's an idea that i mean if we were organized if we have kind of sort of performing teams it should be fine to you know spend a week a little bit with a little bit more focus not only in, in business deliveries and, and things like that uh and more into you know making the new universe welcome that's what i would like to try at least uh next is that is that doable no as i imagine when people bringing on new engineers they've got they need they need extra resource they've got some pressure from above yeah we need more delivery we need more code writing have you got that time at the start to just have a week completely focused on them feeling welcome in the team is, is that a pressure that comes with the job i I hope uh, not. I mean, I hope that the, there is no such pressure. It depends on the company and the culture you're building, definitely. And I'm I'm happy to be in the place I am because I I can tell that I will be able to accommodate those type of things. I believe, um, but it, it depends on the you know the way you organize, the level of maturity of your teams. You know, you can maybe take some pauses, right, here and there. And uh, and if we, for example, do things like uh, hack weeks or things like that, why wouldn't we spend a week or a couple of days, uh, you know, 
trying to welcome the best way possible someone that's possibly going to stay for a very long time with us delivering for the business so um it depends i guess it's a brilliant point that i've not i've not not heard someone talking about hack week for ages i can't remember maybe maybe i've just not heard it in my circle uh, and what what about you bonna yeah um i have worked with remote teams i think forever my start of career was like that not managing people at that time being managed uh but i've got you know noted some tips from my seniors and now actually trying to put them in practice um some things are the same as uh, katrina and uh, alberto said uh, but like alberto said at the end of the day we all are all are humans so it is very very important to make the person welcome now more than ever that we are stuck in our own homes not sitting physically next to each other so um things that i have tried in my team is have to have a conference page just for onboarding where we have a structure of day one day two day three how do you go ahead with it then i personally take a time to either have uh, direct conversations with that person or if i'm not able to for certain reasons i make it a point that i ping that person and just ask how are you doing nothing else no work no other discussion just plain simple how are you so i totally totally believe in being an empath as leaders it is most important than anything else uh, if you want to motivate people to work it is more important to engage them not to you know put pressure and ask them to do different tasks other things uh, like fika which is very prevalent in uh, sweden has absolutely worked for my team uh, every week we would have fika talk about anything in this world nonsense uh, hobbies what you have done yesterday what is your plan this weekend and then just you know making uh, fun of it and making fun of yourself and you know humor is also another thing that uh, brings some human touch so uh, that and yes the buddy thing i did in uh, one of my previous jobs but it it worked quite well it was totally for uh, onboarding digitally so it it again is it helps you have a buddy on your side and you have that confidence okay if it's if it's anything be it work related or be it the process related for the company i have someone to go to if not the uh, whole team but in general now we are in a digital world we have slack channels we have teams um, just use them and talk to the person make the person welcome that's that's what i've uh, experienced and things that have worked for me what what's what's kind of your thoughts obviously you've just started a new company leena yeah what are your thoughts kind of around this and the, and around the comments that have been said have you seen some of these in, um been put into place have you seen some other stuff or yeah so we have um i am fortunate to be in a company that are very very um we have grown a lot so there are uh, very exhaustive onboarding lists there are there's a buddy system all of this is in place I think um, the problem I've seen has been more with especially juniors. They are so afraid of taking people's time. And I think that's the, the challenge I haven't managed to, to, to solve. Uh, because no matter how much you tell them that it's OK and we don't have expectations, they still feel that pressure. Um, and 
just my my view is that it's it's gotten worse with remote because um, so I I don't know how to solve that challenge, but all of the practical stuff that's been mentioned, yes, they work really well. Do, do, you, do you think it's gotten worse because of remote working or do you think it's gotten worse because of remote working in COVID times? Since I've never tried truly remote before, mm. I, I honestly don't know. Mm. Um, yeah, has, has anyone, um, like try uh, been able to cr successfully create um an environment where juniors don't feel like they're using time uh katazina have you got something going to say yeah uh i think what bana said is very very important like you need to put time from yourself to juniors and i think that worked with one of the person i onboarded i booked a daily one-on-ones at the end of the day like half an hour every day for first weeks where I was asking the questions like, how are you doing? Do you have any questions? Is there anything you want me to explain to you? If it's something you learned and if, if they didn't have questions, I talk about my day. I showed them like, how is it going for me? Like to really, really let them open up and understand like, I'm not their manager. I'm there for them to help them out, not to create this further distance because we are distant right now when working remotely, just to show them like, I have a time for you. So if you have questions, reach out. If you don't have questions, let's just chat. Like, what do you do in your spare time? Uh, and so on. And I think it's really, really powerful, uh, what you said before, uh, and helps out, especially juniors, to open up. How, mu how much preparation do you do for that type of meeting? Is that just a complete, you just go in there and just chat? Or is it something, uh, as a manager, you prepare for? I don't like for the first weeks. I didn't prepare especially. It was more to check what questions. If you learn today anything and you're unsure about anything, like do you want me to tell you a little bit more about it? Like do you have any question about processes? Like when you join the company, you learn a lot. Like how you book holidays, where you put your sick days, everything like that. And when you just get this huge amount of information. You may have questions. Then, when you start being converted to the team, you may be not sure about some things you heard over the day. So, for me, it was more like, "What did you learn today? What do you need to know? What do you want me to tell you? How do you enjoy working with a team? How was your day?" Uh, but no serious preparations from from my side. It's rather help them out. Has anyone got any kind of further comments on that on this section? I was I was actually thinking on the wording um, because uh, do we really need to change that behavior? Isn't it a natural behavior uh, for new joiners or for junior that are aren't experienced that maybe they are afraid, right? Um, so that probably should be the expectation, and uh, then from there, I think what uh, Katarzyna just said and uh, other comments around this. It's, it's about to be with them, you know, it's, it's about to coach them into understanding who we are, how can we collaborate, how can we communicate, communication is free, open, feel free, you know, and 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 leading by example, right, as Katarzyna said. Uh, but uh, I would I would rather change the word change by uh, another, you know, more coach or you know more uh, like um, uh, hold the hand of of, of of the 
juniors are more afraid to engage. Um, um, because at the end of the day, I think it's natural when you join for the first time a new job uh, to feel, you know, a little bit insecure. Uh, when juniors, of course, it, it grows. Uh, so maybe they require a spe more special attention, definitely. Uh, but for me, it's kind of a natural behavior uh, that should we uh, that we should count on uh, and, and find ways around it. Difficult one. It's like a constant, constant thing you need to be always thinking about, isn't it? Um, well, yeah. Um, right. We'll we'll move on to the next discussion. So we'll go to Katazina's question: um, How to keep how do we keep the teams connected and build trust while working remotely? So, Katsina, just talk us through that. I think it's uh, very much connected to the previous question, how do we onboard people? Uh, for me, the challenge is how to keep different teams connected and how to build the trust between different team members while they do not interact together. But what I also notice while talking to the new joiners in the company, it's with this remote work, we are very siloed within our teams. Like for some people, the whole company is only the team because they don't meet anyone in the cafeteria. They don't go for lunch with someone else, which they met uh, next to the coffee machine. They just work the whole day with the team and they never meet anyone outside of the team. Uh, so for me, this challenge is how do we bring the teams across the company closer to each other while we work remotely? Alberto? Um, I have a couple of questions around this, but uh, for me, what's important is like how how it used to be before and how it is today when it's remote, for example, right? Um, it's true that we are making maybe a point, paying a lot of attention with the COVID situation and we should probably expand this to more, you know, remote work in general, um, but for me, I guess this, the first question will be, do, do they need to be connected, first of all? I mean, um, uh, well, I guess it depends in, you know, from company or organization to organization. Uh, but one of the things that I have, or uh, my previous uh, employer kind of uh, uh, put a lot of uh, uh, attention to in order to open up this sort of communication is different type of um, um, initiatives around sports, for example. So we will have a people and culture organization that will take care of many things, but one of them being like, how can we keep people connected in this type of situation, right? So they would organize uh, online uh, yoga sessions, for example, and that would be free for everyone to join. So everyone could meet there uh, on a Monday at 8am and do an hour uh, yoga session, uh, everyone there. Um, then use a lot of the uh, usual tools that we have, for example, the messaging tools uh, to create different type of channels with different type of topics that people can share, regardless where you are from. I mean, what, what team you are in and such. Uh, or, for example, now that we have been encouraging a lot of the walk and talks, you know, with mental health and all the COVID stuff, 
um, just take a picture of yourself, selfie or yourself or yourself and share it in this Slack channel. Um, so you encourage people not only to do the sport to you know work on their mental health, but also to share their uh, you know their daily life and what they do in the lunchtime and, and such. So it's not that building it you build a connection right but that not necessarily means that you will start talking to that person you've never met before right away uh, but it kind of opens up you know a little bit more the overall togetherness right and um and yeah it has it has it has been virtual it has to be virtual these days um but yeah, different type of uh, initiatives. Uh, yeah, like like sport sessions that everyone can join. These selfie challenges uh, or sport challenges, people will be sharing their things. Um, so that has worked pretty well, actually. One thing I was going to say, Alberto, you mentioned I was just going to jump into one of the examples how you had uh, different channels within your Slack group that weren't work related. Could you give us an insight into what those channels were? Uh, for example, we used to have a bootcamp challenge uh, channel, for example. Okay. Um, so the organization had organized bootcamp training sessions uh, at one of the famous gyms here in Stockholm. Uh, so those, those were happening physically, for example, before COVID. But after COVID uh, or during COVID, um, uh, that became virtual completely. So that became, first it was a channel to share the trainings that they were doing physically in the gym place mm. when COVID hit and uh, came. Uh, so the, that uh, that channel was reconverted to more, uh, you know, do your book and training at home and share it with us, mm. you know? Mm. Uh, so it, it is this kind of thing. I don't remember all the things, but uh, different type of interests. Like if you like music and playing instruments, you will, you will have a you know a Slack channel for that, where you can actually engage, get to know people from across the whole organization, and who knows, maybe you create a bond after a couple of months with them. Um, so um, it's, it's again to enable this connection. Uh, but going back to my previous point. I try to be efficient as well. I mean, uh, we don't have to communicate with everyone or to connect with everyone. Uh, so that I, I guess we should start like, do we really need to? Um, and to what level? What about you, Liana? What's your thoughts on Katarzyna's question? Yeah, so um, the teams themselves seem to solve this pretty much within the team. But some of the things that we have done cross-team um, efforts that are actually, they were there before COVID, uh, as far as I know, but they've been even more important in, in COVID times, is going back to onboarding. One of the sessions that we have is something we call lunch boarding, uh, where basically we pull people in from different parts of the organizations and we throw them into a lunch session together with, with the new people. And of course, we use the Mentimeter tool to do um, stupid, uh, would you rather be a cat or a dog or things like that as icebreakers. And I must say, I love that session. It was the best one in my onboarding. Um, but also going back to something Alberta said, something I 
notice that I was unprepared for um, when when we went home was that there are actually a lot of people who like not being forced to connect as much, um, which was interesting. Uh, so what I've done is work a lot on the trust in me as a leader. Um, one of my um, most su successful things is doing stupid mistakes, uh, showing people that it's okay, uh, which is weird. And of course, talking and listening and all of those things. But, but yeah, um, I, I, I agree with Alberta there. We shouldn't expect that everyone wants afterworks and coffees every week as well. Bana? Yep, I agree to both Lena and Albert on that. Um, I have had team members who do not uh, prefer to, you know, be in that group, even when it was not virtual, to be in that group and force some team activities, which they thought it's not really a team activity, you know, I'm not interested. So it can be virtual as well. And we can't mirror the uh, office grapevine into current environment, which is a challenge, of course. There's, there's a lot of information that flows just because there's a grapevine. I personally do miss some of my colleagues who, who I only met by the coffee machine. Uh, they're not from my team, they're from different teams. I miss them, but to fix that, what we did was just chat up and then we formed a Slack channel, uh, just like a office friends group. And then sometimes we just randomly say, okay, let's have a fika this week. So of course we can't go out to a cafeteria and you know chat there. But we have a virtual FICA, talk about random stuff, work, not work, because some of us are associated. Uh, we handle the same stuff. Uh, but uh, yes, there have been challenging, or not Slack channels that have challenges, OK, eat, uh, Semla challenge, or uh, step count challenge. All those work. But then again, people who are interested. And then I've also seen there are certain groups where like front-end developers would gather up to form their own group, they have a meeting, say, once a month and discuss their topic of interest. It is still work, but not work. So it's beyond work. For example, somebody is teaching how to draw using AI. So those things work because they interest you. Uh, you're following, you're developing a grapevine in a way, and then you might end up chatting with some random front-end developer who's on the other side of the company afterwards. So I, th I think it's it works just like a grapevine would work. It's very personal, isn't it? Go on, Leanna. Yeah. One thing that I thought of now that when, when you kept talking is that we encourage people, uh, since Slack is also our preferred means of communication, but we encourage people to ask things in public channels instead of in private chats. So every time you want to ask something, think, would this would someone else actually want to hear this? Even if it's just, how do I expense, uh, I don't know, uh, lunches when we do team lunches. Um, and I think that's been really, really important because then information and transparency just flows much better. We did exactly the same thing on our team channel where we notice a lot of developers, they talk to each other in the private messages and sometimes they are discussing the topics that it would be nice for the rest of the team to know because if you were sitting and talking to each other, someone would overhear and join. So we said, like, let's try putting all those private 
discussions like in the threads on our team channel so like everyone in the team is aware i think this is very very powerful love that that's just a little thing and it can change so much because you're right a lot of people are just speaking one-on-one -on -one. in fact they're actually encouraged to speak one-on-one -on -one early on in the pandemic just video call people and that information is just getting just kept in that little channel that's brilliant that um fantastic right okay so Barna, um the question you sent me was how do you handle detect conflicts in a new team that has essentially never met face to face good luck everyone yeah so um when i moved I, I was given a different role being an engineer manager and peer to a new team and this new team had members who were employed already but in different teams so we were a new team uh, nobody had met uh, the other person ever except for me who met one one person in my team so we were essentially new to uh, the other members of the team uh, which is fine you do all those activities icebreakers and stand up and talk to each other try and know the other person which is difficult and then the team is a mix of different experience levels they are coming from different backgrounds in the sense one is front-end developer the other one is back-end developer so they have different approaches and then you bring in the factor of cultural difference so all of that uh, ended up in conflicts um, be it how do I approach this problem? No, I don't understand. Uh, I would like to approach it this way. And those conversations were not going well. So I had this challenge and I couldn't find, let's say, the best way to solve it. So I would love to hear how you would have solved it or have solved it already. Who am I going to pick on then? Alberto first then. Lucky me. Um... It's definitely a challenging challenge, <laughs> so to speak. But uh, what I would try to go to do is to go actually down to the root of how that how did that team ever happen? I mean, what was the reason why we created a team, and what was the reason that these very specific people was put into the team, and how we did that? Um, and understand that reasoning, right? Um, then from there, uh, I would I would basically hold one-on-ones with everyone, uh, try to understand their point of view, and, and um, I mean cultural differences. There are always cultural differences, uh, but my experience is that they have kind of vanished uh, in a way when where the actual organizational culture is bigger than that. Right, the values of the company, the way we do things, the way we approach things. Uh, so I would I would just hold one on ones with them and um, and and try to make them understand maybe what's the, the purpose of the team, why these different type of competences are needed, how how can we find the overlap between all of us, uh, why how can a, a back end developer can collaborate with the front-end developer to build something that is kind of a common goal for the team, right? So try to find alignment around that. Um, can help out people, you know, reduce the level of conflict there. 
uh, and and be more into in the understanding mode that actually we are not a group of people, but we are a team with a common goal. And maybe that's what should matter rather than the cultural differences or I'm a better developer than you, and which probably is the case, but then, then you have all the tools like, you know, skill set mapping and things like that to cover for that, right? Uh, so, so you can do a, a really good uh, planning uh, of the deliveries and such. So it's, it's a, I mean, handle, I mean, if we talk about detecting, I think many of the conflicts are quite visible. Um, maybe the challenge in a remote work is like you don't normally see behind the scenes. It's, it's just some message that's been a little bit harsh here or things like that. Um, if you hold stand-up uh, uh, meetings, for example, daily meetings, you can observe, you can, you know, uh, just facial uh, gestures or the messages or the, someone is unusually uh, quiet and, and things like that. And and we as, um, as managers, I mean, we should probably uh, have this kind of psychology where that those type of signs tell us uh, here's something wrong. So, and then you try to approach it. Um, if there is a conflict between two individuals, I will never be intercepting that. I will actually... Uh, you know, hear both sides and maybe mediate, but let them fix their conflict by themselves with my help, right? Um, that's uh, that's how I would do it. Uh, but in, I mean, it really depends on what is the reason of the conflict. Uh, and I really like to understand the foundation of things. And that's why I started with, well, okay, let's start by understanding how this thing was created. What was the, the, the purpose and why we actually these different people uh who who decided that this is, this was a good match for whatever the mission of the team was um and then just build up from there uh but i mean there is i don't think there is a real binary question answer here right uh, it it really depends on the type of conflict or the type of people introverts versus extroverts and you know how to approach different type of problematics um it's still very powerful, Alberto, if you can get those individuals to understand why the team is created and just, um, yeah, yeah, it's really powerful if you can get them to say that out loud and understand it. Um, so that's really interesting. That. Which I don't think is going to happen <laughs> since, since they, they, they have these kind of, uh, kind of internal conflicts. I'm not sure that everyone is open to you know uh, to speak about those things but i think this step that's why understanding why this team is created is is the most powerful thing i see now to do because uh for me uh, there is no a safe there's no safe environment created there um right so that's why probably we we have conflicts and that's why probably we can't uh, handle conflicts uh, in a natural way within the team without the intervention of a manager, for example, right? That would be the ideal situation. Conflict management should be handled by the team itself, not by the manager inter intervening. Uh, so it's 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 a very interesting topic, really. We could speak about this for years, uh, but what, uh, I guess it depends. That's what I would say. What, what about you, Leah? So apart from the things that uh, Alberto already said that I, of course, agree with, um, 
I've never had the issue with not noticing because uh, I have a very, uh, I focus a lot on, on trust and transparency, which means that people tend to be very obvious with conflicts. Um, and depending on the conflict, I usually choose to either solve it with just letting people talk about it. And it's kind of, they figure it out themselves. They, I, you, if you just act as a rubber duck, they, they solve it themselves. Uh, and the next step, I tend to do an exercise where um, I ask them to think of three different interpretations on whatever the conflict is. So if it's uh, this person is rude to me in stand-ups, I ask them to come up with three three interpretations to that. So one, that person is rude uh, for some reason. Uh, two, could be um, I read in extra anger in this person because he has a very uh, he has a way of, of speaking that reminds me of that manager I had three years back. Or the third one could be he had, he had a bad semla to, for breakfast, so he, his stomach aches. And then we can talk about which of these are, do we actually know that this person was rude because he doesn't like me? Or could it possibly be one of the other aspects of it? Um, and that's actually really powerful. And you can start with stupid reasons like the Semla. And then once they get used to actually thinking like that, they um, they fight and figure out other ways that could be. So the conflict might not be that this person doesn't like me. Um, but I've also had conflicts where I had to step in as a manager and just pull two people into a room and say, we're going to sit down and sort this out because this is not acceptable. It's affecting everyone in the team. Mm. Um, but we prefer to not go there. Yeah, interesting. I like both approaches. The first one, yeah, again, I used this word before. It's very powerful, isn't it, when you think of it like that? If you can just imagine that you, you instantly become more empathetic. Yeah, which is necessary in these times yeah um Katarzyna? i would agree with uh lena and alberto said and uh, i really think like touching up on the vision and like mission of the team why the team exists it's very powerful not only for people to understand but also to help out to shape this vision so it's like to really own it not only this is a manager telling me our team should do this and that it's rather what we as a team think and what we as a team think is needed for this team to success and how can we help out because it's us in the end who who will succeed or not uh, so what skills or what people what types of people do we need uh, it's really good uh, and i think it's like what liana said as well like trust is really really important uh, to have this comfort level that people will come to you as like, to the manager and said, I have the problem, I have the challenge. Uh, because I think in the remote setup, detecting uh, early signs of conflict, is really hard. Like we are not sitting with people. We don't see how they interact with each other. If they have interactions on the private channels, we don't see it. 
we may see them maybe misbehaving or behaving differently on the stand-up or not. Like they may still talk what they've done yesterday and they may not work on the same ticket with the other person. Uh, but sometimes for me, it's important to get from the one-on-ones the early signs, like, oh, someone said something on that, meet on that meeting and that made me upset, or why did they say that way, or why someone made this comment towards me. And I think this is like really important on these early stages. Uh, maybe not to act, but understand like this is something that may hurt uh, and don't let it go. Because if we allow different types of comments on the early stages, then the conflict I think may grow later. And then we need to go to the mediation, medi medi mediating. Mediation. Mediation, yeah. thank you. Um, it's so interesting that about nipping it in the bud early on. Uh, brilliant. Um, Barna, have you got any kind of further comments to that? I'm actually pretty happy to get all those tips. Uh, I hope I don't end up in those conflicts again <laughs> and I don't have to use them, but uh, I feel I'm armed with more tools. Thank you, guys. Right. Our final question from Alberto. Um, Alberto's question was, how important is the social aspect of team dynamics in comparison to making sure that every engineer has all the means necessary to be high performing? And he gave some examples around that, but Alberto did want to kind of talk through this anyway, but just explain what you mean, Alberto. I'm actually struggling to formulate the question, right? Because uh, it may be uh, taken from two different aspects of social, but I think I'm going to go with the, um, with something that I've been struggling as a manager for the last years is even though I consider myself a people's person, um, I don't have I don't have all the solutions to all the different type of problems. For me, something that has always kept me thinking is you know introverts versus extroverts, right? And how i mean there is a social factor in i mean if you look at the bruce taxman's model of team development uh, with all the stages of teams and such there's always or i don't know some other time the facts uh, model or whatever there's always a social aspect there that uh, is implicit um, um that might have an impact on how well the team can be performing or can, can, can be cohesive uh, or can collaborate together but the truth is, and the reality is that we are humans, right? And uh, uh, we, we might find introvert people and extrovert people all in the same team. And going back to, to things that we have previously talked about, you cannot force people being social if they don't, if they are not like that. So that's something I have been struggling. So when I look at um, uh, high performing, it's like, how should we balance that aspect with actually other aspects that it's more on the daily basis right on the daily work like having good challenges like ahead that are motivating that are you know uh interesting engaging for people uh or good communication channels uh or processes or anything uh, clarity transparency uh so if, if we had to balance those things what would you say would be the most important for you? Should we really put the social aspect also? Otherwise, we can't consider a team high performing. 
or should we now focus a bit on more like the actual daily things we can do to make engineers and people in the team more kind of uh, productive and motivated? Big question. Like, love it. Love it. Um, Barna? Yeah, it's a challenging one. Uh, I think uh, being leaders, and I use that term more than as managers because I'm myself an empath, uh, I think the most important factor here is motivation, and that comes from giving them engagement. And uh, it also depends on the level of team maturity, where, what are your current requirements. That's how we can strike a balance, whether or not right now I'm in a very pushy situation, I need to deliver tomorrow. I would still be an empath, give some motivation so that they're not stressed while they're achieving their targets. Uh, but I, if I have the leverage, I would always, always have a balance between both the social and the uh, uh, task oriented things. That has always been my take, and I think it has helped me so far. Fantastic. Katazina? I think it's very important to keep the social aspect. Like, I wouldn't imagine having a high performing team without having the interaction between team members when they don't really communicate well. And I think it's always a balance between finding the solutions which will suit everyone in the team. So, there are always uh, people who are more introvertic and there are people who will be more extrovertic. And I think like even when having the team activities, like it's okay to ask if everyone wants to play. Like there might be team members who don't want to play or do they don't want to take part, they take active part in the activity, but they may just be observers. That might be fun enough for them just to be around when the others are talking. Uh, or to find those kinds of activities that will suit everyone in the team. Like we have this mix of different characters and we've been playing like the Pictionary game where you don't need to really talk a lot if you don't want to talk. You just draw your thing uh, if you want, or you just like see what the others are drawing and try to guess if you want. If you don't, you lose. I'm the biggest loser in my team. Uh, I haven't improved my Pictionary skills last eight months. But it's been so much fun uh, just to be around and have this casual interaction with the team members, not only about like we need to deliver this task, the deadline is coming next week or something else. Uh, and I think also understanding their personal goals is the key where, where we're thinking about having the high performing teams or uh, going through different stages of the team dynamics. It's like, who do you want to be as the as the person? Like, what do you want to achieve? How can we help you out to, to achieve your goals, not only something what we think is the best for the team? Liana? Yeah, so, uh, so I'm a certified it depends practitioner. So my answer <laughs> to these questions are always it depends. Uh, but, but basically, I will circle back to knowing your people. Uh, because there are some people who would do boring work eight hours a day as long as they get to do it with people they like. And then there's people who would work with anyone as long as they have a challenging task. So the, the balance for me is allowing everyone in this team to have the balance that suits them 
which can be really challenging because some often I, I see that we push the social aspect very hard uh, without trying to see if that's the right level for everyone in the team. Um, and then I've been in other companies where we push the engineers should have good challenges way too hard. And we totally miss that people are, they are fine where they are. They just want to hang out with their, the people they see as their pals. Um, so the short answer, it depends. Uh, but, it, but I think it's really, really important for everyone in any kind of leading role in this situation to try to cover all the bases and also be very, very clear that it is optional. You don't have to play Pictionary, but if you want to play Pictionary, we will sort it out for you. It's okay to have fun, but it's also okay to just want to work for eight hours if that suits you. Have you got any further comments on that, Alberto? Yeah, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. Uh, but I guess, I mean, and this is very theoretical looking at the books, you know, and all what's explained there and such. So I guess I will throw out, uh, I will throw here a, a, a question, a uh, yes or no question. Um, so the social aspect has an impact in team dynamics that on those team dynamics, right? is a very important piece for high-performing teams, right? Um, so again, my question, can a team with the mix of introvert people and extrovert people reach a good level of team dynamics to be able to be high-performing? Yes. What do you think, Bana? Definitely, yes. It's just uh, that we have to work out what suits what person. So if it's an introvert, you need to, as managers, as leaders, you have to find out the, you know, like you say, the body language, understand what kind of person that is, what works with this person. Does this person need more? Some people don't even like you to, you know, give them motivational speeches. So you have to polish your language accordingly and then talk to them at their level. That's what you do. So know your audience and then work out, I would say. Diana? Yeah, and I would say I think it's easier for a diverse team to be high performing long term than it is if you just put five extroverts, uh, best buddies into a room. So I think uh, we haven't touched much upon the diversity here. And I think that's uh, an entire roundtable discussion in itself. Mm -hmm. But having as diverse a team as possible, I think, is crucial to have high performing teams long term. Thank you very much for confirming my hypothesis. I thought I was crazy. <laughs> it's a, that would be a really good segue into my next podcast if it was diversity, but unfortunately it's not yet. <laughs> but it would have been brilliant if it was. Um, okay, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much um, for all being um, brilliant. Yeah, thank you so much. Some really interesting points there that I, I for one, will take away.